It's Hello, Monday. Monday. Me and Scott. You're no. like we never left. I think Monday is our day, Scott. I like that though. I, I like how when we get We're into Mondays the week and everything. Off together. You know? And and especially you're coming off of everything football related, right? I mean, Monday I think is the best day to do this show, just because there's so much, um, so much football to talk about. Yeah, and I know you probably want to give uh, your Browns a shout out before we even get started. So I think I should give you this opportunity in the first like minute of the show to just <laughs> look, let it out, look, let it go, I'm tell just, the people how you feel. Let's do it. I'm just saying. Cleveland Browns. It was right here. It was right here on our station. It was right here on uh, Atlanta News First yesterday. That's good because the entire Atlanta area, everyone got an opportunity to see the seven and three, the now seven and three Cleveland Browns defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers 13 to 10 in a real. It was was not a a cute game. It was not. It was Emily. 13. Emily, this is 10? this is AFC North football. Winning in the last seconds of the game, though. This is AFC North football. This is what it's all about. It's <laughs> physical. These teams know each other so well. But yeah, it was it was great to watch that yesterday because, and I think I was bringing this up to you uh, a little while ago. There's a lot of teams right now having quarterback issues, right? The Jets they just bench Zach Wilson for the forty third time. Uh, you have the Falcons who've had some issues. Uh, at quarterback with Desmond Ritter, which we're going to talk about here soon, and those teams are struggling in the standings. They're they're four and six, and they're 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 really struggling. And then you look at the Browns, seven and three. They've gone through three different quarterbacks this season, and they're they've played good enough football to keep winning on the fly. So yeah, it's like I Georgia from the last two years with Stetson Bennett. Yeah. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. They find a way win. to win, and that makes it that's something to be truly proud of. And I think that's a huge credit to the coaching job that Kevin Stefanski's done. Also, shout out to the Lions, man. Yeah, seven and three. Where is this world? Look, you know it's a good year when both the Lions and the Browns are seven and three and look like they're headed towards Dan the playoffs. Dan Campbell should get coach of the year if they keep rolling the way they are. Either him or Kevin Stefanski, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm but both saying. of them would be uh, good candidates for, for it. For sure, for sure. Now, starting with here with some UGA, I don't think it's any question who the coach of the year in college football is, right? The guy who ain't lost in about Kirby 10 years. Kirby never gets it, though. He never gets it. That's because he gets taken for granted, I think, at this point. I think they just expect him to win, so it's like, we don't, we don't want to give if him If you ask me, again. it'll be like FSU's head coach or Washington's head coach. Yeah. It'll be like one of those guys because Kirby's expected to do this exactly. year in and year out at this point. He's a victim of his own success. But he's okay with not getting that award as long as he wins the national championship, and I would be too if I were him. And they quite literally are on their way there. That dream of three-peating still very much alive. That you doubted. 11-0. Yeah. Yes, I doubted it. You didn't. This, this stretch right here ended up being a heck of a stretch. They have a heck of a resume now, Scott, because they huh. beat three top 25 teams uh, in back-to-back-to-back weeks. And at the beginning of the season, you didn't know that those three guys or those three teams, I should say, were going to be top 25 teams. Um, but listen, what Georgia has been able to do, you know, every game, it seems like they touch a little bit of history yeah. or, or they're about to hit a little bit of history. Uh, but at Rocky Top on Saturday, they're the first SEC team in the history of the conference to go 8-0 and in three straight seasons. All right, so that's that's a pretty big deal. That's big time. That's All big right? time. Not losing an SEC game. That's that's big time, especially in, in the three SEC. whole seasons. Yeah, I mean we got to give it to them for that. For sure. For and sure. then twenty-eight straight wins, which ties two Alabama teams for most wins in SEC history. 
So the fact that they've been able to win 28 straight, I would expect them, Scott, to get to 29 this Saturday. Me too. So they will then hold the SEC record. And this is not just an SEC play, but it is an SEC record, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I'm not talking about an all of NCAA. You know, I'm sure there are some teams that like got 35 or 40 or however Right, back many in 1944. In right. Yeah, no, um, yeah. Georgia's not there yet. But, and, and quite frankly, uh, let's just pretend like they go perfect this season by the grace of God and they three-peat, next year they are losing. <laughs> like, they are absolutely losing. I'm not, I'm not certain. I haven't seen no, it yet. No, their schedule next season is insane. Like, having to play Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, and they go to these teams, you know. So um, that's going to be the challenge next season, but we're not there yet. As far as this season, uh, my two worries, though, Scott, are, are two guys. Same problem. Brock Bowers and Lad McConkey, both of the guys seem to be pretty banged up right now. Um, I'm worried about Brock Bowers playing because he wants to play. Nobody's making him play, by the way. Of course, coming off of That's risky. surgery. I don't know if I could do high it. High ankle sprain. Uh, he came back in 26 days, and we saw him limping off the field at Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, today, Kirby explained what that's about, if you care to listen. He says it's because... I care. Throughout the week, he doesn't do much. Bowers right. doesn't do much. He's like basically walking through practice. And, and um, this is not me saying anything bad about Bowers. He should be not doing much. Right. But then all of a sudden, Saturday comes, and he has a huge workload, and he's out on the field. He's using his ankle. He's going fast. He's doing all the things that he usually does. So he's super sore after games and during games. Like this is a huge mountain that he's climbing. So um, that is what that was about. And when I talked to Bowers after the game, he said, like, yeah, he expects to be in pain. He expects to be uncomfortable. So uh, that's just part of it, right, if he wants to play. And then McConkey, he injured his ankle against Ole Miss, did not play yeah. against Tennessee, did not practice much last week. Uh, today, Kirby says he says, you know, he says he might be able to go this weekend. Um, you know, they're going through all the tests right now, MRIs, all the things. So uh, to me, you know, McConkey, I don't know if he'll play this Saturday. If they're, you know, running all these him. tests on him, they don't need him. No, and that's the thing, right? Is against that like anybody. fans reached out and saying like, why, why is Kirby playing these two guys? Like, don't don't play them. Just wait till Alabama. Give uh-huh. them some rest. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But right now, UGA is just doing a heck of a job uh, with one game left, and then they'll have another perfect regular season. I told you this was going to happen at the start of the season, remember? Oh, you're such a genius, Scott. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> you I, did I it. At the last three games were not – like, yes, Georgia completely killed everybody yeah. that they faced. But that, those games were not give-me games. No, they weren't give me, but I mean, I just knew headed into the season when you saw what I know they're that UGA is going to be one thing. They're going to be the most well coached team in the country. They're disciplined. You know that they're like I call them the new Alabama, right? I mean, the way Nick Saban and Alabama used to have his team prepared for every single game, that's Kirby Smart now. They're not going to beat themselves. They're not going to make mistakes for the most part. They're going to play sound uh, football on both sides of the ball. And you combine that with them having some of the most talented players in the country because they recruit at such a high level, I just don't think they're going to lose again this year. I mean, honestly don't. And look, like I said, I'm an Ohio State fan. I hope Ohio State can beat a team like UGA, but I'm also just resigned to the fact that they probably won't just because they play the game so well. They're so well coached. They rise to the occasion every time. I mean, just think about some of these games already. We've talked about headed into these just – 
even before, like weeks ago, when they were heading to the SEC schedule, we talked about Ole Miss is going to be a tough game. We talked about the Tennessee game is going to be a tough game. And they're just squashing these opponents like they're nothing. So I have no reason to believe from this point forward they're not going to do the same thing to everybody who they play. Like Georgia Tech won't even be an obstacle for them next week, right? I mean, that, that's It'll not, be close the first quarter and a half. I, I, I'm not even – okay, yeah, maybe yes, because – Okay, so they'll, they'll play them hard because I guess Georgia Tech is a rival. So they'll, they'll show up. But, I mean, that's not going to be a close game. Alabama, though, it's, it, that's that's the one. That's the national championship for me. I mean, honestly, it's I mean it's for the, it's for the SEC title. But like to me, those two teams, hmm. most improved teams all season to me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I agree from the standpoint of I I don't think that any other team in the country can probably beat them because I do give. A, I do give Alabama the advantage just because of the saving factor, right? Because the, I do like that. I do yeah. like Alabama in that game. Because it, in the SEC championship game? I do. Okay. I want to know the last team to beat Alabama twice in a row while Saban's been there. Like, wow. obviously not back-to-back because obviously Georgia did not back-to-back play them. Back-to-back years, maybe? Well, the, Georgia and Alabama didn't play last season. Right. So I'm talking about in playing each other. Has there been a team? I'm sure there has been. I'm just thinking, mm. like, did A&M do it? Did LSU do it? Didn't, did Ole Miss do it? I was with thinking Hugh about Freeze? Ole Miss. Remember when Hugh Free? I, I thought maybe Ole Miss may have done I need it. to look that up. I'm just saying there aren't many teams. The fact that we can't really think, like, don't yeah. right off the bat can't tell you, um, you know, that tells me that Georgia's chances just off of that, you know, stat alone, uh, you know, I mean, I, I like Alabama. I do. All right. So let's talk about it. A little more here. Obviously, Carson Beck went out there, and I thought it was a pretty flawless performance he had against Tennessee um, in that matchup. He just looked like he was in such a zone. And then you start seeing tweets uh, later in that game uh, from just different sort of media members and everything talking about they think not only is Carson Beck a uh, first-round pick candidate now, this is what I've heard now, uh, but also maybe the front-runner for the Heisman Trophy. Are you buying that? Okay, so you already know I vote for the Heisman. Um, nice. Must be nice to have a Heisman vote, man. What do you have to do to me? It's, it truly is the coolest thing I do, and I tell people it's because I feel like it's so unbiased in the sense that they give you three lines, literally. You get yeah. the ballot. There's three empty lines. It's not like, you know, player A, player B, player C. Play, you literally can pick any player from any team in the country, and you write his name in and his school. Wow, that's pretty dope. Yeah. Um, So... When you take a look at his stats, right? Let's just go off of stats alone. Mm-hmm. He's seventh in the country in passing. Again, this is his first year starting. Yeah. And when it comes to Georgia, you don't really necessarily think of the offense as the main thing. That's what impresses me kind of the most about Georgia this season is they're not a defensive team, and they have been for years. They're not an offensive team. Uh, but right. Beck has passed for over 3,300 yards. You know, the most in the country is 3,600 by Washington's quarterback. He's not far off, right? Um, He hasn't thrown many interceptions. He's pretty accurate. He's improved all season. Kirby told us on Saturday he knew what Carson can do from watching him in practice for the last however many years because he's been waiting his turn and he didn't transfer out. So he knew what Carson had. He just needed to see how Carson would react in situations on the road, not necessarily even at home. But he wanted to see how he grew in away games. That first test came at Auburn. He passed the test. Absolutely. And then Kirby said, you know, he went to Tennessee and grew up even more this past weekend. Because once again, he looked so good. 
Um, his offensive line, though, we got to give them some credit. He went untouched against Ole Miss. And this past weekend, he was barely touched by a defensive front that entered the game with 33 sacks. Tennessee was seventh in the country in sacks, second in the SEC. And they barely got to back. Yeah. So the offensive line is truly helping him out, but helping him, you know, develop into this really great quarterback. Uh, and I've enjoyed watching him. Yeah, he's starting to get a lot of attention just nationally uh, as far as you normally don't see UJ. Well, I'm not going to say that because Stetson Bennett got a lot of attention too. But as far as just thinking about how they're projected on, on the next level, Stetson Bennett didn't really seem – he didn't really seem to get as much attention as Carson Beck is in that aspect, right? I mean, people are really looking at Carson Beck as being a legitimate top-level pro prospect. And he's I think, really yeah. good in the pocket, guys. Yeah. He's going to be a great NFL quarterback. He's got the height. He's got the swag. I can't say enough about Carson. Stetson, the talk around him was the chip on his shoulder. Can yeah. he do it? Uh, he can, you know, take off and run with the ball. Carson doesn't do that as much. But boy, oh boy, can he throw some touchdowns. Can he make some really pretty passes? And he doesn't just have – I don't know, Scott, if you've noticed this. He doesn't just have his favorite – targets sure we love when he gets the ball right. to 19 sure we love when we see uh him hook up with mcconkey but right. this past weekend those weren't the guys i mean yes okay um bowers did score a touchdown but those weren't necessarily the guys making the big plays you've I got agree. marcus Rosemi, jack saint mm -hmm. and then you've got dylan bell you've got all these other guys that are catching passes from him yeah. you know um delp and so he spreads the ball out Every game, you know, he finds seven to eight guys. And to me, that's a huge deal. Like, he's making these other players, you know, he's getting them involved and getting them the ball, which if you ask those receivers, I bet you they tell you that they love that. i tell you what, so... Um, I know I said earlier we wouldn't do this, but let's pivot to some... Let's pivot to hear Kirby uh, Smart talk today, right? He talked today. We went out there and he... Uh, you know, address things and gave his regular Monday press conference. Let's check out a little bit about uh, what he had to say about uh, things this past week and looking forward to the big matchup. Again. Is that a big matchup still against Georgia Tech? I mean, it's a 7.30 kick. They haven't done that since 2010. 7.30 kick? Since I've been here, it hasn't been in prime time in seven years. It's always been a noon game. Okay. Does that respect to Georgia Tech, though? Yes, it is, because they've been beating ranked opponents. They have okay, the last two okay. years. They've beat ranked opponents. They've earned the 730 kick. They're jacked. Okay. Well, look, I'll give them some respect here. Uh, I respect the 730 kick. And let's hear from Kirby to see what, uh, you know, he's going to have a lot of respect for Georgia Tech, right? He likes Brent Key, it seems He like, does so. like Key a lot. Okay. Well, let's check it out a little bit. Let's go. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're on to Georgia Tech and uh, excited for I the did. prep. I did. I pivoted. Love rivalry week uh, across the country. What makes college football really special to me is all the rivalries you get to watch uh, on this week. Very unique week timing-wise. Uh, a lot of distractions with uh, Thanksgiving going on. Um, those are good distractions, uh, but they are different. So um, how you manage that and how you deal with that is important. Uh, a lot of respect for Brent uh, Key and his staff. I've known Brent a long time. He played at Tech when I played here. Uh, his staff does a great job. Obviously, there's several guys on his staff that we have worked with uh, before, a lot of uh, overlap. And I think we're both very thankful for a state of high school football in Georgia that provides both of us with uh, a lot of really good football players. Um, he's done a tremendous job this year. Buster's done a tremendous job for them. And uh, Kevin taking over the defense um, kind of midstream there has done a really good job. So with that, we'll turn it to Georgia Tech. 
Yeah, Coach, it's been mentioned multiple times this year from different players about how Georgia Tech is specifically uh, a rivalry that you mentioned at the top. What is it about Georgia Tech that you dislike so much, or why are they your premier rival, according to your players? Well, geographically, they're close, right? They're in our state. Um, you're playing for something uh, every time you play them because you're playing for state championship, and I think that's uh, that's always important. And um, you know they do a, they do a good job. But it's, it's it's the next opponent. I don't rank them any higher than anybody else because I, I look at all the games as rivalries, and I let everybody else debate what's the highest. I don't get into those comparisons. But a lot of respect for Brent and the job they do. Kirby, to your left, what's do you see the biggest difference in a team that's won as many games this year as their last two years combined? And a little bit, if you can, on uh, Haynes King, their quarterback, how he's established himself in that system. Yeah, they've won games because they're, they're playing good football. Number one, they've uh, uh, done a good job upgrading talent. He understands what it takes to win at Tech, what kind of players to go recruit. And I think as he gets his recruiting classes in there, he's not going to do anything but get better. But when you got an offensive line coach as the head coach, you're going to have a physical tough team. Like that's number one. Hank King is like that. He's fast. Uh, he's athletic. You know, we've got several coaches that came from the Texas area that talked about his uh, athleticism in high school, and you see it on tape. Uh, Buster's done an unbelievable job with him, and he utilizes his entire skill set. These guys know how to run the football now. They are really good at running the football. They find uh, best runs available, scheme runs, quarterback runs, unbalanced runs, good backs, uh, really tough O-line. So like, it, it, it's a day's work when you go to play these guys with the way they play in terms of toughness and, and all those things. That's what's allowed them to win is they have uh, an identity. Kerry, do you guys have a sense of the severity of Ladd's ankle injury and just his availability going into this week? Yeah, he's got a, a tweaked ankle that he tweaked in the game here at home. Uh, he was able to go a little bit some at the end of the week but didn't practice much. It bothered him a little bit uh, Saturday, but nothing any more severe than that. I mean, we've done MRI since the game and uh, doing even more testing, but feel good that he's going to be able to return. It's not, I guess, somebody said right before I came in here, Claude said there's questions about tightrope surgery. That's not the case at all. I don't know where that's coming from. Coach, you talked about all the familiarity on their staff, obviously Buster and Kevin and, and a couple of players over there. I just wonder uh, – what what is the logistical uh, issues with it? Are there logistical issues with that in terms of just I don't know maybe how you make checks, what you use for checks or signs or different things like that, or is it more intangible than just knowing what what it is you're trying to achieve in in different situations? No no, no issues. Kirby, this game in Atlanta has been a noon game, I think, uh, for all your years as head coach. What do you think of playing this at night? And obviously, uh, you know, you and Bama have a game the week after as well. Always good to hear from Kirby, ain't it? I mean, yeah, that's who I hear from the most. And I'll take it as long as he's winning. But let's talk about some more football, NFL. A new QB1. Well, is he new? It's like he never left. (laughs) Gone like he's never left, right? Yeah, and I don't necessarily want him back. Wow. I don't. That was rough. You want him back? Well, I mean, I didn't want him to get benched in the first place, right? To me, it made no sense, but they benched him, and they played Heineke for a couple games. Now they're back to Desmond Ritter as a starter as they play the New Orleans Saints in a big divisional matchup on Sunday. 
I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I don't know how he's going to play. We'll see. I mean, I don't like the quarterback carousel when teams start doing that. I think it's never going to end well and everybody's going to get fired, but whatever. Coach Smith says that he believes that Ritter gives this chance the best chance to okay. win. Hey, man, who am I to argue with Arthur, right? I'm, we can't. Arthur's a smart dude, right? Very. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to argue with him. Hey, look, NFL news and notes and everything like I that. I think we went through it off the top of the show. Most of it. Hey, I wanted to add in once. Well, yeah, we went about Zach, our, our guy Zach, uh, and uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets benched again, right? It's a lot of, it's a lot of teams struggling with quarterback player on the NFL and injuries and everything, too. So with that, hey, big Monday night game tonight. Who you got? Chiefs or Eagles? Chiefs. Okay, I'll take But I like that there's a lot of Swifts everywhere okay. in that game. Yeah. DeAndre Swift, my dude, covered him at Georgia. A lot of UGA guys. Then you got the Swift, Taylor Swift, that her parents are going to be true. there. Four Swifts in the house in the same building, it might explode. But Scott, listen, the Hawks today, they partnered with the YMCA, yes. okay? Um, this is what's on my mind. And uh, now they'll have a patch, a y, a y patch on their jerseys starting tomorrow night, starting against the Pacers. But they've, uh, you know, they're in a multi-year deal, multi-year partnership to, uh, you know, have the Hawks and YMCA do some great things together. It makes sense, right? For sure. Like the Y, you know, they focus on kids and the Hawks want to partner with them, not only for the patch, but to, you know, do good in kids' lives as far as basketball is concerned and other activities. Uh, but we were at practice earlier today. So how about we play some sound from the coach himself, from the team, um, ahead of their game against the Pacers? Let's go to coach. No matter the score, um, the schedule, the opponent, the things we feel like we can do. And, you know, oftentimes during the course of a season, uh, you're going to have slippage in those things. So I think continuing to identify them, um, provide feedback on where we're not doing them. Um, usually players have a pretty good sense. Um, we all do. Um, whether it be things that the fan sees, oftentimes, you know, they're right. They may not know why at a deeper level, but they see the result. Um, so I think it's just... It's good to be really honest with yourselves about you know what those things are that you need to work on and, and then to work on. You know, and it's not often you get a couple days to practice, so you really want to take advantage of them. And sometimes you're, you know, the coaching said you're, you're busier during those times as far as really trying to be efficient with what you do. Um, you know, so polishing some stuff and then trying to do some things. We're, we're going to continue to find out about ourselves throughout the course of the season, whatever that is. Shot selection, pick and roll defense, matchups, and all the things that go into a game. Um, understanding that and uh, not you know, staying the course of the season. What's the biggest benefit of being able to have these consecutive days where you kind of come back in and, and don't have a, a game to necessarily kind of break up the, the focus of what you want to work on? Well, I think you just hit the, the key word. Whatever it is that you want to work on, it gives you more of an opportunity to focus. Um, sometimes you're trying to focus on something for a specific game, you know, in a scouting situation, you know, the morning of a game. Um, you try to focus on those things before the game. You focus on them during the game. But being able to focus on them in practice and have repetition, um, you know, that, that's what you need for those things to become habits. And when they're not habits, there's any number of things that can take your focus and your concentration away from you. You mentioned habits. That was actually something that Trey mentioned after last game mm -hmm. of you know, trying to make these things that, that you're, you're coaching to yeah. them into habits. 
you ever just kind of mentally put a, put a timeline on those things of when you expect to see, you know, that conversation not yeah. necessarily go away, but just like, all right, I should be seeing that now. Right, and then just stop playing the games. Like, we don't have it, like, well, don't have it by December 10th. Fortunately, um, the final exam doesn't come till the end of the semester. And, you know, up to that point, you know, for someone that didn't, study as well all the way along the line I can speak from experience that sometimes you have to cram for the finals um, so in a sense the time we get in practicing right now we're going to just throw as much in there as we can and get as much done um, but to your original question I don't think so I think that you just keep grinding and, and frankly what you're describing is you know is what you want to avoid you know not that you date something because invariably you may pick some I, I felt like during the preseason we were a lot further along than I anticipated and then you get into the season and you see it in one game and maybe not in another you see it in half or a quarter and not in another and trying to look at why I think is the biggest thing and that hopefully that's what you're striving for is that consistency but I'm not sure it's you know it's ever there you know the way you strive for perfection and with the understanding that you're probably not going to get that, but that's the bar that you want. All scoring down the court. Um, well, uh, I just saw him. Well, I got the rebound in transition and then uh, just pushed the ball to the floor, and I saw him kept back, played on it. So uh, I thought the best option was just to go at the rim as hard as I can. If he blocks, he blocks. If he doesn't, he doesn't. So that was my mindset. The energy was through the roof. How did that make you feel? Are you talking about from the fans? Or from, just... the, from the crowd. From oh, the yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes... They make, they make plays 10 times better, just uh, the reaction things. So um, especially when they see it up on the on the replay board. So um, just having that excitement from the crowd, it's always fun to play in that. Did anybody mention in the locker room the fact that, you know, it's something that John had done to Embiid in the past and you kind of taken over that role now? Uh, no, no, we didn't really talk about that. Um, yeah. Probably doesn't come after a loss. Yeah, no, not, yeah, definitely not after a loss. What's it been like kind of just being through the it's been great. Um, it's been something, you know, that I've been preparing for, um, preparing for a moment like this to, you know, play heavier minutes. Um, and I feel like, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever uh, this team needs, uh, whatever role uh, they need me to fill. Uh, it may change from night to night. Um, so just staying on my P's and Q's with that and just being ready for whatever. Are there things that you, you know, pick up or learn just more by playing than you were in some other role where you weren't playing as much? Yeah, I mean, uh, just playing more minutes. Uh, that's kind of what I needed, especially coming out of college, just uh, playing more minutes. Um, so as time goes on and more experience I get, I think I'm just going to keep catching on to things, uh, start figuring out more tricks. Um, some of the guys on our team, uh, you know, they let me know um, certain things that, you know, I can't get away with and I can't get away with. So just having that around me, too, is, uh, you know, it's uh, helping me move along. What's the key against a team like Indiana? We saw them in the preseason. They play a lot of guards. They take a lot of threes. How does how do the Hawks sort of deal with a team like that? Well, yeah, we're gonna have to first. We're gonna have to probably limit uh, Halliburton as much as possible. You know, he's he's ahead of the snake. So um, and he does everything for them: uh, rebounds, passes, defends. Um, so we're just gonna have to you know come out aggressive, uh, especially in that first quarter, um, and hopefully maintain it through 48 minutes.